Hello, friends and listeners of the LeaderCast podcast. This is Mo, the producer, jumping on really quick before this episode starts to let you know that we are going to be wrapping up season one of the podcast. The final episode in season one will be coming out on April 23rd. We are going to be coming back with an even better season two later this year. Stay tuned on our socials for updates as we know more, and thank you for being an avid listener. This is the LeaderCast Podcast, helping you be a leader worth following. Well, hello there, and welcome to this episode of the LeaderCast Podcast. I'm Bart, and I have a pretty nice treat for you all today. It's a conversation, the first conversation that we will have with a LeaderCast Live 2020 speaker. Today, I have on here Sangram Vajray from Permanence Account-Based Marketing. Now, Sangram started his company about five years ago, and he'll tell you the story in the interview, but you know, it was three people huddled around a desk in a co-working space, and now they have 200 people in two cities, and he also helps host a thousand-person conference every year called the Flip My Funnel Conference. Now, like I said, Sangram will be speaking on our stage in May, and for the 2020 edition of LeaderCast Live, our theme is positive disruption. We talk more about this in the interview because Sangram really does embody the idea of positive disruption, both how he approaches business and the way his company approaches marketing and sales. But the point of positive disruption is to get leaders out of their comfort zone and to get them to recognize that it takes upheaval, it takes challenge, it takes innovation to create lasting and impactful changes in their organization, not just today, not just tomorrow, but for years to come. Now, we often think of disruption as something quite annoying, right? You know, someone comes to your desk, asks you a question at work. Someone cuts you off on the drive home from work or a commercial pops up in the middle of your radio streaming. But in this sense, disruption is needed in business. Disruption is needed in your personal life. And Sangram tackles both of these points in our interview. And like I said, this is our first speaker for LeaderCast Live 2020. So because of that, and to finish the year strong, I want to extend to you all a special holiday offer on LeaderCast Live 2020 tickets. Now, this discount is only valid on tickets to the event here in Atlanta on Thursday, May 7, 2020. So if you want to join us here in Atlanta, if you're in Atlanta or the surrounding area, if you want to fly in, if you just want to join us, we have a fantastic offer for you. It's buy one, get one half off on our already discounted tickets. So it's buy one, get one half off use code HOLIDAY at checkout. So go to live.leadercast.com, buy two tickets or more, use code HOLIDAY, and get every second ticket discounted at 50%. So without further ado, I'll get us into our conversation with Sangram Vajray from Terminus Account-Based Marketing. Well, I am super excited to bring on to the LeaderCast podcast, a LeaderCast Live 2020 speaker and friend of our company, Sangram Vajre, Sangram, thank you for coming on here today. We've talked a lot throughout our company's kind of uh, relationship, but we haven't really had an in-depth conversation. So thanks for joining me. Barb, thank you so much for having me. It's a, a fantastic to be part of the LeaderCast community. And I love the content and inspiration you guys put out in the, in the, in the world. Well, you know, I kind of want to jump right into this. We talked at the top of the podcast uh, when I introduced you. Your title is... The accidental evangelist. What does that mean? 
<laughs> you know, when when I started Terminus, this was five years ago, and at that time we were just three three of us, the so three co-founders. Now we're about two hundred people based here in Atlanta and San Francisco. And in this five year journey, from day one, I have been so focused on the problem that we solve as opposed to the product that we sell. And when you when you really when you think about it, I want people to. Just dial in here with me to think about that. The problem we solved, I always felt was so much richer, bigger than we can ever do from our product within the next one year, two years, three years. So I always had this vision of like, let's just talk about the problem. Let's just bring the community together around the problem. We may be part of the solution today. Maybe we would do one third, two third, three, like whatever part of the solution that we were going to build. But we are probably never going to solve this challenge in marketing and sales that our product solves fully, completely. So let's just keep keep focusing on the problem. And that led me on just creating conferences, events, bringing even competitors together at our conference, which is, which is something that people don't see doing, building and creating community around this thing. So people just started to call me the evangelist for the, the movement that we built around marketing. And so even today, I, I just felt like all I was doing was just focusing on the problem that led mm. to the title of accidental evangelist. Well, that's interesting because obviously as you, you took three people and now you're 200. So obviously this the startup that you've been working on for half a decade, you kind of put into a unique role and unexpected role. But, you know, that still happens for people in companies that have been around for 20, 30, 50 years. So as you have brought on new team members and you've brought on new executives and leaders of your company, how have you helped them understand that, you know, you're a part of a team now and you're not just going to just be a computer statistics analyst. You're going to be doing this and this and this. There's a lot of different roles that you might have to play in the startup movement. How have you been able to get people to play together well in a team and take on some roles that they may not be comfortable with? Now, that's a great point, Bart. And I think it's it's hard. I, I think leadership is hard. Uh, I think getting people on the same page is hard. And the reality is you are never going to get on the same page. So I was uh, like, this is this is really interesting week. Uh, this week, I listened to two episodes uh, or, or two big news, right? One was, you know, Satya Nandela's, the CEO of Microsoft interview, where he talked about this idea of learn it all culture as opposed to know it all. And I thought that was a really interesting way to think about growth is you need to be learning and all leaders are learners. And then at the same time, you have this incredible Time Magazine Person of the Year, Greta, who is 16-year-old girl, and she's the Person of the Year, the youngest ever Time Magazine Person of the Year. And I was looking at these two stories, and I, I look at them and think about that, wow, if there is any truth to any of this thing is that that these leaders are standing for something, these leaders actually are learners, and they are not pleasers, and you use that lens for everyday activity and in conversations where you're hiring a new person, you're not uh, trying to please them. I never considered that as my job. My job is to tell them and share with them, like, here's the vision that we have for where we're going. Either you're on board with this vision or not. That's a, that's a decision that you have to make. But here's the vision and here's where we're going. And let's be very open, clear, and as many times as possible, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. 
even though I might get bored by saying it, it it's it's that it's new out there. And every time you say that, it actually puts something in deposit, something in somebody's mind share that, oh, this is where we're going. So it's an extremely hard thing to do, but got to over-communicate, got to be a learner and not be a pleaser. And at the same time, you are not going to make everybody happy. So I think it's an extremely hard thing to do. And the only way we have found it doing, at least I've tried to do, is continuously repeat where we're going as a mission, not how we're going to go there. That's where the team comes in, but really talk about where we're going as much as possible in every every main meeting that we're having in the organization. Well, that kind of is a great segue into the question I do want to ask you most importantly is, you talked about vision and where you were going five, six years ago. What was this vision for Terminus and how did it get to, you know, one of the fastest growing and uh, companies in technology today? What were those first conversations like? What was that first initial vision like? And, and how has it taken you to where you all are as a company today? Uh, that, that, I mean, man, that goes back to the memory lane. So many different levels, like all of a sudden there are like 50 different images popped in my head right now <laughs> of like, you know, we trying to be in at, at the Atlanta Tech Village. We couldn't even afford, I don't know a lot of people know this part, but we couldn't even afford to actually have two desks. So we would just have one desk and my other two co-founders will sit on it and I will sit outside and we will almost hotel into the desk because we didn't want to pay for an extra desk in the early days. And that's where we started. And our mission and vision has always been around this idea of we're, we're trying to revolutionize the way B2B marketing and sales work. And I, I'll tell you a quick story that led to that. When I was running marketing at Pardot, which you know was got acquired by Salesforce, so I ended up spending a couple of years at Salesforce. And I remember that we hit every single record there was in terms of number of leads. And a week later, my chief revenue officer comes up and says, hey, man, Sangram, you and your team has done incredible job, like an incredible that you guys so many leads for us. That's fantastic. I'm like, yeah, man, it's it's really, really cool. And he's like, can you generate another thousand leads for me next month? And Bart, I just sank in my seat. I'm like, we're not just coin operated lead machine over here. We, you know, we're trying to, you know, run a business. So how about increasing the velocity of the deals? How about doing better job of converting from opportunities to closed one or creating more meetings. Let's talk about those strategic things, but we were just a machine. So that was the genesis of Terminus. We wanted to build something that will get away from this problem. And, and Forrester, thankfully, right when we started Terminus, put out a study that we just clinched on, man. We, we've got to have something that you clinch on. And they said that less than 1% of the leads are turning into customers. Now, you combine that, and that became, became the galvanizing force for us. It was that, look, today, less than 1% of the leads are turning to customers, which means 99% of what you're doing in marketing and sales is not working, based on this study that Forrester did. And you combine that with our bold vision of changing the way to build sales and marketing alignment, not just for the sake of it, but truly a scorecard that drives business forward, became our North Star. And, and that has still been the same. We want to just revolutionize the way marketing and sales work. So we never put a product-oriented messaging. We always talked about it like we're going to do whatever it takes to revolutionize the way marketing and sales work. Well, and that's obviously still true today. I mean, Terminus has helped revitalize the way that many brands 
not just sell, but also just build relationships in the business world. I kind of want to now go back to that idea of you being the evangelist and how you've been able to build this company through relationships and explaining what you all actually want to do and what your your mission is. Because I think a lot of times, as you've mentioned, leaders of companies and people who maybe are talking about, I mean, I'm kind of on the lower end here at LeaderCast. And when I talk about what we do, okay, well, these are the things we actually do instead of why we're doing it. How do you train your people to talk more about why you're doing something as Mm. opposed to what you're doing? You know, the... The number one thing that I almost think on a daily basis is that do the people at Terminus, we call them terminators, do the terminators know what they are doing on a regular basis and how that changes? So in the early days, Bart, we tried to do that, like, as I said, like telling the message over and over again. But what I realized was that you can never tell the message at a level, at an emotional level, when you're repeating yourself until you get someone else to come and tell the same message, but now how it impacts them. So what we did was about a year ago, a year and a half, I think, we started this program called Customer in the Flesh in the office. And the idea was we are going to bring in a customer, a real customer that uses our product, that, that changes their trajectory in their organization and have real metrics and success. We're just going to bring them in the company every six to eight weeks, or four to six weeks, really, and then have them share their success, their challenges in an all-hands forum. So literally, there is a customer of ours. Um, I'll tell you, one of the customers was Thomson Reuters, big company. They came in, uh, Jillian came in and sat, and people asked her questions like, hey, all right, so how do you use Terminus? Why is this important? She got promoted in her job. Like, well, okay, how did that happen? Why? When she's like, well, this uh, Daniel Day, one of other customers said, hey, you guys changed my life because now I'm not worried about my job. I think I can go to any CEO and tell how marketing and sales work because of how we are using Terminus. So all these stories became the hallmark of the conversation that happened in the hallway. Because a week later, I will still hear people talking about, remember what Daniel said? Remember what Jillian said? So instead of us, the leadership team, over the top coming in and pressing down, here's our message, we essentially started to bring in customers to tell what is our message? Who are we building it for? Why does it matter for them? Do they get promoted? Are they their careers better? Are they making more money? Like, Let's just talk about things that are positively impacting their lives. And that has a transcendent for impact on the organization, not for for hours, but days and weeks and months after that person is gone. And we do that almost every four to six weeks in our organization. It's a really cool way to reiterate the mission and vision to your employees. I think that is something that all companies, all employees at companies tend to miss sometimes is how this actually impacts the customer. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. And, you know, on that note, Bart, what's what is interesting, one of the reasons, and I, I think if, there, if people could take anything from this conversation, I would say yeah, that probably is one thing that you could truly go do it and everybody would be supportive of it. It takes effort, but it's, it's phenomenal when you open up the all hands and have a customer speaking, not just saying rah, rah, but being real and authentic and raw. It's really cool. But what's interesting about that is, Majority of the times, really the frontline managers and leaders are the ones who are connected with the customer in some way, shape, or form. The leaders in the company are not. Your CFO and, and other people are not. 
the operations people are not. The person who's just writing content is not. So when you bring a customer like that, all of them are now inspired. Like, all right, you are actually creating something. Like, I'll give you a very quick example on that too. Is uh, There's a company called Phenonic who is doing heating and cooling. They're changing the way heating and cooling works. And they literally use this technology that they built in Phenonic to supply like blood and keep blood like cool in, in a really hot environment. And the reason they're able to do that and, and save lives in, in unknown locations, and the reason they're able to do that is because they closed a really big deal with government around that. And the way they did that was because they used Terminus as a platform to target them. So when you go back, like, you know what? Terminus is not saving lives. Terminus is not like, you know, curing cancer. And and sometimes when you hear those, I'm like, yeah, we, we're just like a company trying to, trying to do something better, faster, cheaper. And, but when you see that the customers you're serving, they are saving lives. And now you, the association are part of that movement. I think it has a very, very big impact that cannot be overstated. Well, there you have it. Terminus is saving lives. That's what uh, <laughs> Sam said. <laughs> Well, you'll be speaking at LeaderCast 2020. Our theme there, obviously, is positive disruption. And I think that what you were sharing right there is a great example of positive disruption. I think people think that disruption has to be something major and seismic and and just completely turning the tables on everything. But what you described is a, a small change in the normal patterns of business or your normal workflow or just the normal, you know, workplace behaviors, and you're altering it just slightly, make people slightly uncomfortable, get them out of a normal routine, and putting them in a position where, okay, now you have to learn. But I want to ask you a little bit more in depth, you know, to you, what does that term positive disruption mean? That's a great, great question. You know, when I first heard, and I'm, I'm incredibly honored to, to speak at LeaderCast, thank you for that. Uh, to me, when I think about positive disruption, it's mean there's, there's this tension that exists between these two words. In one way, positive means great things that are happening, positive, uplifting, all those. And then disruption always means messy, means that you're going to actually run over something or crush something or destroy something to rebuild something. So there is this tension between these two words, which I love because that's real. That's raw. And, and when I think about every organization that is created, they are trying to do positive disruption. And there is no better example than your own, I think, organization when I think about that, which is your family. And I think like you, we all need to get conscious. So I think for me, in the last five years, positive disruption has been this idea of how do we lead at work that makes us really, really, really good at it, very intentional at it. How do we use the same level of positivity, positive ideas around it and disruptive ideas around making it move? How do we bring that even to our personal lives? And a lot of what I feel is very connected. We just we just don't equate that because we think work and life are two different things. But now at work, you're doing the same thing because as long as there are people involved in the process, you are connecting and disrupting something and, and having an impact. And I think there's no better important organization than your own family. So I feel like the tension between these two words is really, really good. So I'm really looking forward to taking this and align this to say that let's just talk about positive disruption in the business world. And now also let align that to the disruption that you need to, you really need to have in your family, given all the distractions that we have going on today. 
is fantastic because I think you hit on a point that a lot of people forget about is not the greatest organization you lead is your family. And there are business practices and family practices that go really well together. I mean, you can take the way that you might speak to a child into a meeting where you might have to admonish an employee and but it's not a, a negative conversation necessarily. It's always about building. And obviously, when you have a, a conversation like that with your child, the goal should be to help them be a better person. So, you know, you're trying to help a, a coworker be better. But there's also times where there's expectations and duties and responsibilities set forth for a family. And if they're not met, then there are consequences for that or there are ways to continue to build that. It's a unique perspective. I mean, obviously you're a husband and a father and you take those two roles very, very seriously. So when you were building this company, like you said, one desk at a startup hub going to 200 employees, this journey that you've had, how have you still been able to be a good father, a good husband, a a good family member? Developing world-class leaders in your community is now easier than ever with LeaderCast. In addition to our flagship May event, becoming a presenting partner allows you to stream multiple events per year, each with an opportunity to earn money. The new LeaderCast lets you invite 1 to 1,000 people with unlimited streaming opportunities. Check out more at LeaderCast.com or the link in our bio. Well, I mean, quite honestly, I have not been the best all these years. I would tell you and confess that in the first two, three years, I forgot about my family. I forgot about the most important organization. And I'd be lying if I would say that I got it all correct at that, especially at that time. And that led us to a really, really incredibly hard place where, you know, me and my wife were going to get separated because the move of like building a super successful business was so overwhelming and so intoxicating in some ways that I thought that is what I'm supposed to do. So everything else should take care of itself. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. And so I did not do a good job of setting expectations. I did not do a good job of setting boundaries uh, for myself. I did not do a good job of even having, which is one of the, the key pillars or the thesis of, I think, some of the talk that I would do at LeaderCast is this idea, the simple idea that every organization has a mission and core values or vision and core values. And we as a family never had that. And when I brought that back into our family saying, we got to have a vision statement. So we, myself, my wife and my son, we created a vision statement for our family and, and core values for our family. And now we look at them as the way that's our North Star. And I feel the first couple of years was extremely devastating personally, at the same time, exhilarating business-wise. And now I'm at a place where I feel like I'd, I'd recognize where my priorities lies. And the greatest lesson, Bart, that I, that I learned in the last five years of running a startup and being a father of two kids and a husband is that our priorities are what we do, not what we say. And I want you to repeat that because that is a really was a defining moment for me. Our priorities are what we do, not what we say. So we could say we love our family, but never be there. We could say we never want to miss a game, but miss every single game. We could say that, you know, this, this is what we're doing for our family, but we are just a financial resource for them and not an emotional. 
then we are not doing what we say, what we're doing. We could say, I love you all day long, but never look in the eyes of the person and say that, then you have missed the point. So all these things really push me to recognize that, that I got to do what I say. And that's what a leadership role is about. So if I'm not a good leader at home, then I'm definitely not going to be a good leader out of work. That's so disruptive if you to allow me to make a really bad analogy here, but of just the idea that you need to establish and set family values, vision, and mission. I don't think that that's something that we would normally think that is a healthy thing to do, but it makes sense. I mean, it's a healthy business practice, right? We, we have to set forth, what are we going to do for a business? That's, you know, mission and vision. How are we going to do it? How are we going to act every day in our office? These things that are vitally important to growing a business, changing a company culture or turning around a business are just as meaningful in, a, in our personal relationships, our family relationships. So I, I'm very glad that you brought that up because I think for you personally, what I've learned from you and what I've seen from you is that there is a massive need for people who act intentionally, but also act with authenticity. And I think those two sometimes get misaligned. So how do we align intentionality with authenticity? Because I think that sometimes we do think, oh, well, I've got to, you know, calculate every step, you know, the intentional, everything has to have some sort of meaning and value behind it. But at the same time, be open and honest and authentic with how we're speaking and what we're doing and what our both business and personal life look like. Yeah, it's hard. It's like I like when Meet and I were talking, my wife and I were talking about this this week because I was traveling to California and I came back yesterday. And uh, one of those days we were having some issues at home with our kids. And I was in San Francisco. My wife was here. She works as well. And we have two kids. I mean, all these things are happening. And like during that time, you start questioning, like, should I be here or should I be home? Like what's going on? And those are real things. People don't talk about these things, but jobs and business and money is important to run a lot of these things. So you start recognizing like, okay, this is important, but we not, we need to figure out how we address that at home. So all that to say is that I think what comes down to is to be very, very authentic around all of these things at home. And one of the biggest thing, and we started with that at the top of the hour was this idea of setting expectations. So like, I think I've gotten better at this over the years now is of setting expectations around, all right, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be gone for two and a half days, but that means I'm going to be gone and I'm expecting my son to like really start being like taking more responsibility when I'm Mm -hmm. gone. But then for me to like say, all right, on Friday when I'm back, like today, I'm literally working half day and the next half day I'm taking off, going to be picking up the kids because I missed three days of hanging out with them. So this level that that's where intentionality and authenticity comes back, because if I don't do that, then I just like, you know, I just literally lied to my teeth with my own family around this idea of that they're important. And this, this is, this is part of it. If I miss three days of helping my wife and helping and being there for the kids. And if I don't do that the next day, then it, this is, these are the choices that we make every single day, Bart, every single day that, that really is at the crux of leadership. And so I strongly believe that if we can be a good leader at home, uh, as a co-founder of kids at home, then it's really, really, uh, I think in the long run, you will be caught. And because you, you know, you can't be authentic at work either. <laughs> That's a, such a fun 
way to look at that. You're the co-founder of Kids. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and you can be fired from being a co-founder. Like, and that's the other thing. You can't fire your employees, like you know, like at your home kids. Like you know, so the kids can't fire. Like, so you're stuck. So you better make it work. Well, let's bring this a little bit back to the business sense because I think that, you know, it's, those are principles that we need to have while we're leading a company is, you know, if if you personally say that Terminus believes that we're going to act with authenticity, we're going to value our customer relationships, we're going to, you know, focus on helping our customer with what's best with for them, but then you don't do it as the founder, CEO, sales leader, whatever position you are in a company of, of leadership, then it falls flat. So what are the ways that you help your company leaders realize that they need to act within the purpose, the mission, the vision of Terminus? You know, that, I mean, it, it really comes down to probably one of the most important things that I feel any leader needs to be doing in their company, a really good job in the company. And I think majority of them slack at it. And that is your one-on-ones. I strongly believe that the major needle mover in any organization for that organization to be how good they are and how good they become and how people interact and work are actually the one-on-ones that you have with your direct report. And I think we have just talked about that when I was last at LeaderCast Evolve, where I feel like there is a framework that I personally share, and we'll share more of that at at the LeaderCast Live event, where if you can get your one-on-one right, where you build incredible transparency, incredible trust, incredible radical, almost candor in those conversations, and you can truly, really, really, really care about the people that you're working with and what they can do and how they are doing those things, if you make those one-on-ones work, you can actually make your team work well. If you make your team work well, they will make your customers may feel incredibly amazing. I think one of the best things that happens that I see or I measure all of this part is by looking at G2 Crowd which is, or G2.com, which is a vendor-neutral reviews by customers. So there are hundreds of customers of ours have given reviews to our product and services. And what's fascinating to me is that every time I go to and look at those reviews, and I do that, at least once a month, if not more, uh, just to have a pulse on the market of our customers' feelings. And they would, by default, almost in every single review, I would say, or at least in one in every two or three reviews, I would see, oh, and we love the team. Oh, I love the customer success person. Oh, I love so-and-so who I work with. It's a product review. But the people are not doing a product review only. They're talking about people of Terminus. And to me, that is an indication that we're doing something right in the organization. So I feel the greatest needle moving thing, the most unsexy thing that happens that nobody would know, nobody would hear, nobody would see is what happens within your office, one-on-one with your direct reports and the trust, the relationship, the transparency that you built with them. It will be shown in the results. It will be shown in the way they act and behave with each other on the team, more importantly with your customers out in the marketplace. And that is incredibly powerful. I love that. I think that's a great point that those meetings with your direct reports are vital to not only helping them grow, but listening to their problems and and giving them advice. But, you know, that's a a fantastic viewpoint on that. It's hard. It's with everything else. I think I've always, all of these I come down to with the same thing is that nobody said these are easy things. and, And that's what I think leadership is. 
it's hard and you'll never be successful every single day, which is why to me, I think journaling is so important for me personally every night where I would literally write down the things that make me like, oh, you know what? I could have done better there or oh, that was something that I completely should mm-hmm. have noticed and acted on. And, and that allows me to reflect on it and do something about it next day. Because if you don't do, it goes back to the same point. Your priorities are what you do not what you say. So if I didn't do a good one-on-one and I missed and I interjected too much or I just had an opinion, I did not listen curiously, I just came out with my own perspective before I heard, all these things, they happen. They happen because we're all people, we're humans. If I don't go and correct that as quickly as I can, it shows that I'm inauthentic. And that's that's what it is. And, And making mistakes is what makes you human. So when you do as a leader, go and apologize for what you made a mistake and corrected it, that makes your team even stronger. So all these are really, really important ways to build that solid team. So I want to talk about your efforts with not just Terminus, but also this kind of business strategy that you've identified and come and built over the years. And this flip my funnel mentality. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> what what exactly does that mean to flip on my funnel? Oh, it's 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 so interesting. So backstory on that. Well, in general, if you're in sales and marketing, or if you have an organization that has sales and marketing, hopefully you do, go and ask your sales leader. They would know exactly what a funnel means or marketing team. They would know exactly what a funnel means. And five years ago, when I was attending a sales and marketing conference, I saw this presentation and they were again talking about the funnel, which is broad at the top, narrow at the bottom. And I was just like, man, that just sucks. Because going back to the data that Forrester Research shows that people put 100 leads at the top and only one customer at the bottom. I just feel like that is such an inefficient way of running anything. You would never want to run anything like that in your life. But that's how marketing and sales are run in most businesses. So when I was on a flight back from California to Atlanta, this was five years ago, I was Sitting, I got a middle seat for a five-hour flight. The Wi-Fi wasn't working, and there were two drunk people next to me. Okay. So it was time for character building, patience. Like it was, it was really, really interesting five hours. So I just had a napkin and a and a paper and a pen. So I just started to draw the funnel and purely out of boredom, really, uh, more than curiosity, I just flipped it and said, well, "What if this was not?" like traditional funnel? What it was flipped my funnel? What was a flipped funnel? So I just flipped it and came up with four different stages. And it really made sense. It just happened that it just hit me at that moment. Like, ah, this is interesting. What if we go after the right accounts? So small market that we go after, then engage them, then target them, then then turn them into advocates. It will actually make a lot more business sense. You won't have 1% conversion. You will have 50%, 60% conversion. That was the genesis of our company. So um, I got so excited. Without Wi-Fi, I just wrote a blog that I published as soon as the Wi-Fi was enabled when we landed. And that kind of went viral um, on LinkedIn five years ago. So that really was fascinating to this. The people were like, wow, this is great. So this is a funnel that has never been challenged for about 10, 20, 30, or the beginning of sales marketing funnel, like almost decades. And now there's a new way called Flip My Funnel. So I bought a domain for eight bucks, believe it or not, five years ago called Flip My Funnel. 
And you know, long story short, five years later, we have like a thousand plus people attend Flipmaster Conference, hundreds of workshops we've done around this idea of better marketing and sales efficiency. And again, goes back to the very first conversation we had around, we're building a community. And I, I strongly believe that without a community, we are simply a commodity. Mm. That's all we are. So by building this community around the problem and the idea of Flip My Funnel helped us build a tremendous brand of Terminus as a result of that. So the community gave birth to the product idea and gave us more chance to win than anybody else. And, and I think that that community commodity mindset really helped us move forward. So two takeaways that I have from that story. One, the availability of Wi-Fi in a plane five years ago was uh, non-existent. <laughs> and, and two, though, I mean, really, this idea that you were just kind of bored and needed to get something out of your head or, or find something that distracts you. I think that we so often find ourselves just pushing, 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 trying to meet sales goals, trying to meet you know business revenue goals, trying to be more efficient in our job that we don't take time to step back and, and think about a problem and a solution. So I think that to me is my takeaway from that story. I love it. But you know, you talk about Flip My Fun and you talked about this conference. What all have you taken from just that one napkin drawing on an airplane and how has that grown to where you are now? Yeah, man, that, you know, if you really think about it, our whole business skyrocketed because of that. I remember when I came back and, you know, started Terminus, we were starting to do an event and I called it the Terminus event and nobody would sponsor. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, because they're like, well, we don't want to endorse a product. We don't want to endorse like, you know, something we don't know. And you know, I'm like, well, but you're my friends. And they're like, well, yeah, but like we have our customers coming and we, we, we want to make sure this is something that, that we're not endorsing until we know what it is. I'm like, okay, well, what if we called it Flip My Funnel? And they're like, <laughs> All right, yeah, let's do that. That makes perfect sense. So I realized this idea that, oh my goodness, the same people that I reached out a month ago said no to me. And now all the same people are like literally giving me post-dated checks on like, hey, let's just continue this conference in different cities all over the place. So it made me recognize this human emotion and psychology around, we want to be part of a community. That is how we are wired. That is how we, we behave. That is how we want to be. We always find, find ways to cluster around a community. We always find ways to be around a problem and people who are facing that problem. It gives us a sense of purpose. It gives us a sense. People actually don't want to, have, want to know the answer. People want to go through a therapy session in many ways, I felt like. I'm like, like for example, when my wife will tell me, hey, I'm having this, you know, I'm having some, some challenge with some of the stuff she's doing at work. And I'm like, all right, I got, a, I got a five point plan for that. Here's what you do. You go and present like this. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just wanted you to listen to me. And I'm like, oh, okay, but I got a five point plan. Uh, it, it doesn't work. So so I think people want to go through this therapy session. They want to just talk, be heard, be known, be understood. And those are the things that only a community can go because by definition, community means that you're all here for each other and there's no single person who's wrong, like owning you or, or, or you're not endorsing a, a something other than the philosophy of it. So the philosophy of Flip My Funnel, landing, building a community, bringing competitors on, so that we can have even a bigger community around that, 
all of that just helped me understand the human psychology at a much deeper level and the need that we have as a community. So now where all can we find Flip My Funnel stuff? I know you have a podcast, but I'm, I'm sure there's more. So tell me all yeah. the places we can find Flip My Funnel. Oh, yeah. You, you don't, don't totally can go to flipmyfunnel.com. And as you said, there's a podcast. We just did 500 episodes last week on Flip My Funnel. So that has been fantastic. It's a daily podcast on it. We have a LinkedIn group called uh, Flip My Funnel Community. So there are about a thousand people in that group that regularly engage on topics around marketing and sales leadership topics. So there's just continue to try doing different things. There are partners that do workshops around the idea of Flip My Funnel. We did about six workshops just this year in the last quarter. So there's just unbelievable. And the, one of the biggest things that we did, Bart, was we never trademarked it. We mm-hmm. never wanted us to be the owner of the community. We wanted to build a community to give it away. And, and I think that's a lesson in itself is if we would have trademarked it and if we would have made it ours, only we would be talking about it. And you know, and I know this, that there's no category of one. That is, if only one person is pushing, then it feels kind of pressure and effort and all that stuff. But because we never trademarked it on purpose by by design, we gave it away so everybody could use. And our goal was from day one, if everybody in the world, in marketing and sales world, talks about this idea of this philosophy of Flip My Funnel, then that just means we have more opportunity to build a better product and potentially have them as our customers. It's just a good thing for business. So it's counterintuitive in many sense when you think about people want to IP everything immediately. We just took the opposite approach and gave it away from day one. Well, thank you very much for, I mean, just sharing all that, sharing all your wisdom, sharing all your business insights, your personal insights. It's been a pleasure just being able to chat with you. Man, I loved it. Thank you for having me, bud. So obviously, we'll see you in May. Don't forget about that. If you're listening, you can attend live here in Atlanta, or you can find a host site somewhere in the world that is streaming this. You do not want to miss Sangram's insights and the insights of the other eight speakers we will have on stage. Real quick, the last question I have for you is, this is our kind of our Christmas episode. This will be going out right before the Christmas holiday here in 2019. If you were to give a gift to your company, what would it be? Ooh, I would give them a gift of time, purely time. It's like, they don't have to, if I could like say, you don't have to come for the next two weeks. I would do that like in a heartbeat. <laughs> what I could do, but I would give them a gift of time. I'm honestly really contemplating this in, in, in our organization right now, because we had a no time, like no, nobody needs to report times. People can, you know, work with their managers, take vacations. So we thought that would be a healthy thing that will allow people to take more time off. But reverse have happened. People are not taking time off. So we have to now mandatorily say, you have to go on vacation. <laughs> so I, I feel like, you know, as a society, we need to recognize the importance of time. And, and maybe as a leader, I need to do a better job of showing that you need to take time off and stuff. But I think if I can give anybody, it's just give them more time so they can reflect. They, can, they don't have to just push and work all the time, but they actually take time to just think uh, outside the box. That will be my gift. Well, Sangram, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the LeaderCast podcast. We're excited for continued relationship with you. We're excited to hear you on our stage in May. Again, just thank you so much for being here. And this has been a wonderful talk. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you. 
And thank you for joining us here on this episode of the LeaderCast podcast. I'm very thankful that you decided to tune in today and listen to this really insightful conversation from Sangram. Now, as it's the end of the year and holidays are swirling about us, I hope that you have a truly blessed and happy holiday season, no matter if you're celebrating Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's, or just a birthday. I hope that you take the time to enjoy those that you love in your life and take time to truly take a break from business and enjoy the fruits of your labor for a second. I know that's hard for everyone, but sometimes it's nice to just sit back and enjoy what you've done this year. Again, if you are listening, I would encourage you to please subscribe to this LeaderCast podcast on whatever you're listening to right now, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever podcast catcher you have, subscribe to us there and please give us a rating. It really does help out the podcast and we're love to, we'd love to have your help growing this. So like I said, enjoy the holiday season and I hope that you go be a leader worth following. LeaderCast Live is the largest one-day leadership event in the world. Join tens of thousands of fellow leaders live in Atlanta or at a host site near you. Visit live.leadercast.com to learn more. Thanks for tuning in to the LeaderCast podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. In today's ultra-competitive job market, top-tier talent are leaving companies in search of top-tier professional development. Now more than ever, you must invest in your emerging leaders. LeaderCast 365 is a world-class professional development system featuring access to three annual LeaderCast events, a post-event journey to activate the inspiration and insights gained from LeaderCast events, plug-and-play lunch-and-learn programs with group discussion questions, concise video courses to address weaknesses and build upon strengths, and our library of more than 1,200 short-form videos from a slate of industry experts organized into 16 key professional development categories. Invest in your all-star employees and attract new top talent to join them with LeaderCast 365.